plush toy of Gollum that you think is the cutest thing that ever there was. Um, I like that. I want to know you. Sometimes you kind of just get lucky where you find other weirdos around you. Yeah, it's like a secret language that I feel like creative kids use to speak to one another without have to like having to like speak to one another initially. <laughs> so one of the things that I used to do all the time as a kid, like in high school, was I would make these weird collages that I would then tape to like all of my notebooks for every class. Yes. And it would always be of like fandomy things that I liked. So it would either be like Sailor Moon or whatever it was that I was into at the time. So it was very much a blatant statement of hi, I like this thing, so if you like this thing too, you can come talk to me about it if you want to. I think but... I had one for a while on my binder that was like the Vampire Lestat logo from Queen of the yeah. Dam, but it also had like Jay Gordon from Orgy on it, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was making real bold statements about like who I was. <laughs> exactly. In that kind of manner. Well, what was it like? Because you were in a fairly small town and Jesse and Jen are from a small town. Yeah. You know, how did that reflect how you expressed yourself creatively, you guys, growing up? Well, growing up in a small town did... I mean, I was also the loner type, even though I did have siblings. I also read books in corners and such. And um, growing up in a small town definitely facilitated that because there was nowhere for me to go to hang out except the library. And that's not an exaggeration. I literally had the library. <laughs> Oh, I was, um, I had friends. No, uh. Um... <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Pretentious? <laughs> yeah. Look wow. at Mr. Fucking Social here. Yeah, no, well, that's why I don't now. So, um. He hides his insecurity with humor. Yeah, I don't know. If th- I think things, I don't know if things were different, but I think when you're maybe a boy, I don't know if it's it's true, but I think we all like to think it's true that it's a matter of just proximity. I also had siblings, and we all kind of got along, so that kind of helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess I was, I was never, I never thought I was too weird until like high school hit, and then puberty hit, and then I don't know if you could not feel weird, weird. Uh, but then I, I think I may have done the same thing where I like put the wall of like I like this thing, but I don't know then too, because so because like masculinity gets wrapped up in what you like around that time too, where like I had like a. A Prince shirt. I had a purple rain shirt. And people would say they like Prince. They'd be like, well, you don't really. Not like I do. Like, it becomes, like, real high fidelity-ish where it's like, no, you don't. You just become, like, a gatekeeper, but you don't know anything. Yeah. Um, so I think that was more my way of it, was just kind of thinking I was interesting because I liked things I thought were interesting that were not unusual for people to like. Well, I know we've had this conversation um, a lot outside of the podcast, but it's been really interesting watching my young cousins grow up in an era where being a nerd and being into these sort of things is normal and not at all like a weird thing. And that being a nerd, there are like different, like the fandoms and the idea of there being multiple fandoms is something that was really foreign to me based on how I grew up because it was like, yeah, I did like happen though when we were kids. It did. Yeah. But like, at the time, you know, I could be really into Lord of the Rings and someone else I knew who could be really into Star Wars and we were still in it together. They weren't part of the Star Wars fandom and I wasn't yeah. part of the Lord of the Rings fandom because we also hadn't gotten to quite, there was the internet, but we hadn't gotten to the, the pervasiveness of the internet where you could find so many more people and get so into your own little community. What I forgot to mention about the friends I did have in high school is that they were also juggalos. <laughs> oh. So I don't know how well I was doing, because I was not. <laughs> it's okay, it's about family. But they were a family, yeah. Whoop <laughs> <laughs> <So>, whoop. <laughs> Gathering of the juggalos. That's how I met Jen. She was in makeup and... Jen, you were a juggalo? Wait, I'm sorry, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Yeah, and I guess, yeah, I was in theater and I had Juggalo friends. I don't know if I was doing much better than... <laughs> I mean, I had, like, my weeb friends that, like... Same, same. <laughs> well, we all had our, like, our weirder-than-weird friends, because as soon as I got into probably my junior year of high school and I was playing WoW very seriously, you know, I had my school friends and then I had my WoW friends. Like, I'd leave one thing and then go to my other thing where I had all these people... And we raided. Well, then, Swagatron, you went to 
Japan for a year of high school, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I was a geek there too. <laughs> yeah. But at least it's like for, you're different for a reason. It's a cultural yeah. geek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they always get excited because they think, oh, yeah, we have this American. We're going to have such cool, like, American stories to, she'll tell us. And then, like, I joined the anime club at my high school in Japan. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, why'd you do that? My, my host sister literally told me not to join because I would be branded a loser. And I was like, Fuck you, little sister. I'm joining. <laughs> I travel all the way across the ocean. I'm not changing for nobody. I mean, to be fair, the anime club there was legit as fuck because all we did was draw. Like, that was it. It was actually, it's not like anime fan club, it's anime drawing club. Oh, see, that was the difference between like anime club in the States, which is just like, hey, I got this torrent of Evangelion. <laughs> Do y'all want- Together. On, on a projector screen in an unused <laughs> oh, classroom. Yep, yep, I've been there, done that. Yep. <laughs> yep. That was the good life. Some of us couldn't take Japanese for their language because they had to, you know, not give up on being in band. So. So you can take Japanese because you're in band? Yeah, they were the same period. Oh, okay. I got you. No, they. they w- was it one or the other? <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't let you cross pollinate. They would only be. They're just taking terrible- pity on you. They're like, you need to choose one or the other. <laughs> For your own sake, please. <laughs> See, and then I'm on the other side of it. I never got into anime club, but I did go to calculus camp. <laughs> I didn't go to calculus yes. camp because I was doing the musical. <laughs> Jenny is famous having uh, designed the t-shirt for our year of calculus camp. Oh, I didn't know that. I've yeah. seen that before. No, yeah. you haven't seen that oh. before. I didn't know you designed the t-shirt. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Not the not the secret dick one? No. <laughs> not the secret dick one. Mine was the Lopital is my homeboy. Oh. With, that's okay. You're a dumb dumb. Okay. It's a calculus thing. Yeah, no. my calculus My friends so. had a, a bootleg <laughs> camp shirt that said calculus camp, and then it had a colon, um, oh no, it was, uh, the infinity sign tilted 90 degrees. So it looked like a very long stretched out eight and then it's a calculus camp and it was a colon and the parentheses. So it looked like a smiley face. <laughs> and then on the back, it said, it gets me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that still looked like a smiley face. No, it looked like a dick. <laughs> it, looked like a yeah. Yeah, it looked like a penis. Yeah. <laughs> and then because, yeah. And then because our uh, shirt got voted down, and by voted down, I mean one of my friends' girlfriends at the time ratted us out to the teacher and oh. said, that shirt has a penis <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, we were disqualified. So we made our own bootleg versions, and on the back of those, it says sponsored by Viagra. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> See, kids did that in my school, and then they got, like, suspended. So I don't know what kind of bougie school you were going to where you could pull pranks. I mean, we pulled <laughs> pranks, but we were also in, you know, AP Calculus. AP Calculus. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, we weren't a bunch of juggalos. We were good students in, like, honors and AP classes. If that's the worst we're doing, we're still doing okay. I had a friend that used to walk around at lunch, and he would make money because he stole a stapler. And he would staple himself for money. <laughs> so it's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely exactly the same. Um, the interesting thing and the reason why I like having the two of you on is you guys at this point work very closely together when it comes to your story building and world building. And I think it's in a way that you don't see a lot of. I think especially in this day and age, the individual like writer or creator becomes solely responsible for everything that comes out of it, whether or not there is a pair or a team. And at least in watching you guys, it has always been very hand in hand. There's a very, there's cohesion to how you create the visual aspect, how you create the personality aspect. You know, even though Jenny comes from more of an artistic drawing style, that doesn't mean that she's the only one responsible for the look of the character. And while Jen comes from more of a writing background, you're not purely responsible for the character creation. So what is it about you guys that makes you so symbiotic about creating characters and world building? I think it has to do with a lot of the just communication, Mm -hmm. having that open, just talking to each other and kind of meshing with the same ideas. I guess when it comes to like the process of how we go about starting something, it starts off in a very visual type of way like we'll create like mood boards or 
we'll start um like even fucking like pinterest boards and like get a theme going and from there you're getting kind of the visual representation then i guess even before all of that there's putting down the foundation of like what sort of themes you're going for Mm -hmm. and in the case of like even character building it's like what's the background of where they're coming from what's their upbringing what is some of the based like the base foundation tiles that are there that builds everything up there like where they're located what that climate light is like what kind of textiles are found in that climate what kind of patterns what does that climate like bring out in a person Mm -hmm. and from there you layer on like the various little like seeds of what starts something Mm -hmm. and then reap it from there yeah and i guess just because we have that open communication where we do collaborate a lot where like even if i have like my tablet up and i'm in photoshop like doodling things jen's sitting there being like well why don't you try this or maybe this will look better or it could even be like the cut of a garment that a character is wearing Mm -hmm. like it might look better with bell sleeves versus a different type like it depends a lot on that type of just open communication Mm -hmm. that um I guess it helps that we can like pick up on things very quickly. Like she can make a reference that I can just like run with. Right. So there's that where we understand the references that we could just like throw out to one another and then the other person can just take it and go run with it type of thing. Right. Cause more than anyone else I've seen, it's very interesting to watch the two of you do it at the same time. So there is no, there is well, not no, but there's a little bit less passing back and forth there's a lot more of walking side by side that makes any sense. I think so. I mean, I think one of the greatest things that, and I don't know how this, how you measure something like this, but I just think that our creativeness is extremely compatible. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about like the way that brains work that just meshes really well together. We don't often disagree about a direction that we're taking. Like usually if we start something, if we say, Hey, let's, um, let's take like the stars and make a theme out of it and like create people or whatever. Yeah. Just things you see in the room. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) "Mm, what do I see? Uh, Outside it's dark. Um, So no, you take something like that and then we're like, okay. And then I'll start shooting off with like, so we have, like she said, purples and blues. And so we have to think of that and like light and air and gravity and all that shit that you just think of and like you just spent a lot of time thinking about gravity. I I mean, (laughs) Hey, there's a whole movie. (laughs) Sandy B. Mm-hmm. Come on. Alfonso C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think like there's never a time when I say something that she isn't like, oh yeah, I get that. Like mm-hmm. I never have to, and I think it might just come from us working together for so long, but I never have to like doubly explain or try to over explain what it is that I'm thinking about. Like if I say, oh, like, blue she's like yeah blue <laughs> you know we just we just get it in in that sense and I oh it's freaky it, to watch by the way <laughs> <laughs> and i think a lot of it is because we both have the type of mind where if we're interested about something we sponge it uh-huh we will if we're interested about a topic it's not just oh just like the one factoid we might pick up it's like no we got to go into that wiki hole for a few hours <laughs> until we reach the end of this shit and end up on a topic like three years later. Like that's the type of way that we absorb knowledge. So mm-hmm. if someone mentions like like blue, yeah, then we'll know. That's all you're gonna do tonight. It's all it's fucking stars and blue. That's it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But then we're gonna start looking up like which stars are actually like blue stars. Like mm-hmm. which ones are blue dwarfs and how do yeah. they react? And and then it goes into a- like the life cycle. Right, and what attitude, like, you know what I mean? Because if you're into celestial beings and stuff, like, stars have personalities. I know that sounds weird, but, yeah, yeah. you know, they some absorb other stars, and others are like, no, I'm going to run away. Like, (laughs) before I explode, or you swallow me, whatever. Like, that's just my personality. I just really like being educated on topics that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel, and I think that comes from, like, what I studied at school, like doing a lot of presentations at symposiums and stuff. Like you have to know what you're talking about to present it. Otherwise Mm -hmm. people are going to think you're a total loser standing up there, like arguing a controversial fact that really has nothing to support it. And that it's just really beneficial to be educated about things before you start spewing off knowledge about them. Mm -hmm. And I think 
like people in the creative department are pretty good at doing that um, because everybody likes to have sources and stuff. But, um, but I think like a good example, like the best, one of the best examples that I can think of is, I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before that you wanted to do something for Inktober. And so you started doodling some sketch, like some preliminary sketches to kind of come up with a theme. And so you decided that the theme was kind of going to be Southern Gothic stuff because you're like really big into that. And I'm pretty interested in it too. It's a pretty awesome thing. And so we took some time to really kind of delve into that because it's not our culture. So we wanted to make sure that we were not, you know, stepping on toes by like creating something right in a culture that's obviously not ours. But what happened was, is she was like drawing all these sketches and coming up with these things. And like, as she was doing that, like I was creating not all of it. We had hand in hand, but I started creating like a story for Mm -hmm. these characters and building it together. And because I started creating like the background and the personality of one of the characters that she was drawing, then she took the other character and like started creating his background and adding it together so that their story is like intermingled. So at the end of it, we had like one circular story that just started off with her drawing some stuff that looked really cool. Just drawing because you felt you needed to draw that day. Yeah. Because it was Inktober. It's a challenge where you sketch every day for the month of October. So. Oh, don't worry. We, we slogged <laughs> our way through NaNoWriMo. We know about these challenge, feel challenges. Jen, you got, uh, I mean, um, Jennifer, you kind of work like that too, right? Uh, not so much in the pair, but kind of drawing first and writing later, or, or they're kind of more symbiotic than anything else. That's really true. Like earlier when the, when, Jen and Jenny were talking about doing like Pinterest boards and stuff like that. I do the exact same shit. And like, I sometimes I'll draw just randomly. And then uh, as I'm drawing, suddenly that person or that place becomes like filled with a story and I adopt it into my actual writing. It's just kind of like a natural process. See, and that's always something that I am envious of people who have that ability. Cause I don't have any kind of like hand to visual skill. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I don't <laughs> like my brain doesn't even know how to process the words for it because it just does not happen <laughs> in me. but it means that I struggle sometimes with character descriptions because I don't have a really good solid view in front of me of what it is that I'm talking about uh-huh. and it means in my sewing sometimes I kind of wing it a lot more than I want to because I can't draw a sketch or a croquis that actually looks anything like what I want to create yeah. Because I can try, but that's that's, that's not it. That's not <laughs> it. That's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And even from uh, like visual creativity, like one I heard this once and it stuck with me since school was that um, even for people who do like do art in whatever sort of medium, your hand is always ten years behind of what your mind thinks. So mm-hmm. you are constantly <laughs> seeing. Yeah, you're constantly seeing like what you want to create. 10 years behind what Mm -hmm. you're trying to do. So it's constantly playing game of catch up. Mm -hmm. So that's why, like, at least personally, that's why um, I feel like that's why I'm dissatisfied (laughs) almost all, like all the time with what I'm doing, even though I shouldn't be. And I think that's a common general, like feeling that a lot of visual artists have. And that's because you see it better in your mind than what you're physically capable of like pumping out. Yeah. Well, and one of the interesting things I've noticed in your visual style since you've been working with Jen is that you've become more okay with incompleteness because there seems to be, because you have a whole story that goes with a lot of the things that you're drawing, it may not be a complete sketch or a complete piece, but it is a complete thought in more ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really interesting to observe in a creative friend is watching someone find a way to be more at peace with their own creativity and not just decide that it's garbage and throw it away. Jenny. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> like trash and it's like, oh, nope, that turned out wrong. Time to restart. Oh, yeah. And there's a luxury of like when you're typing a story or something on the computer of hitting the delete button and no one ever seeing it. Like when you're putting it down on paper in pen or pencil and anything, you have to get rid of the evidence a lot Mm -hmm. harder and a lot more obviously than just backspace. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I know there's there's always going to be a lot of the line is wrong. The 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 jaw is not manly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's. It's been really, really fun watching someone that I've known for a long time. We won't put numbers on it. <laughs> it's a long time. Find peace, more peace in their creativity. And that's always 
fun to watch. Yeah. I was curious about what you guys were saying earlier about the images and the story. Because like Leah said, I, I can't draw either. Mm, that's not, not true. Well, they're not, I know they're not stick figures, but they're not, they're not realistic in any way. You draw a great Garfield. I know. <laughs> but that, knowing that during Nano, I was thinking of a way to reverse engineer that just as a, as just as a sort of thought game of how could I write though, where it is represented in rough, more doodles. Mm-hmm. Like how do you write prosically a cartoon, but it's not a cartoon because it's not kids novel or it's not fantasy or anything like that. But it's just like, all I can draw is bubble man with, you know, his big round head and little legs, you know? And I don't know what that would look like, but now that you guys are talking about that, I've mulled that over a little bit. Cause there's something there, but I don't know how you would get to it without just making a cartoon, which also I'm not going to do. But also but, why not? I don't know. I just don't have the, I just don't have the, I don't know, the patience for it really. I think. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. That's <laughs> the idea that I had. That's a fun thought. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see what happens when you write the adventures of Garfield. And so, um, I don't think anybody here is working in the field that they thought they would be working in after school. Absolutely not. How <laughs> does that either free or stifle your creativity? Um, I just thought of this question. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's, like, it's, it's saddening to think that like you could go to school with this idea that you're going to do one thing because you love it mm-hmm. so much. And yet the world and the economy and all just makes it unrealistic because let's be real, the world, the job market for creative jobs or anything really in the arts and humanities is either grossly underpaid where when you live in a place like we live, you, you can't afford to live comfortably or even at all. Yeah, if even you uncomfortably. Yeah, itself to like freelance writing or like freelance graphic design because then you rely on the jobs that come in, which may not be reliable because they're just sketchy people on Craigslist looking for someone to do their website for free. And then if they're not, if they're not freelance, you got to live in you know uh, Silver Lake. You got to live in right. downtown San Diego, somewhere you can't afford. Anyway. Yeah. Right, exactly. So you know you spent all this money, and I think a good portion of us kind of. Uh, graduated from college at a really rough time for kids to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. Um, the market was just really, really bad. And like, I remember having a job that I loved at a museum, tutorial stuff and like reaching out and bringing in things for the exhibit. And it had all this stuff to do with Dickens. And I was like, this is amazing. And I love this. And I'm so much and I'm interacting with all these cool people and I'm getting to write about authors that I love, the authors that changed like the way we viewed literature as a human race. And and then as the second I graduated, they were like, get out. We don't pay you anymore. But you cost because you have a degree. Mm-hmm. So right. it was very jading for me to, to deal with that because the whole time I was in school, they were like, oh, we're going to handhold you, help you find a job. We care so much about you. But really, they only cared about money. And then, then you get out there in the world and it's like, okay, well, I have to live and I have to eat. So I have to get a job. And it doesn't really matter what it is. And so as much as I would love to be able to, you know, just write for a living, like I can't do that right now because it's not a reliable income. And maybe, maybe that's on me. Like maybe I haven't tried hard enough because I could be writing things and sending things out to, you know, online journals or whatever mm-hmm. and, and trying to do better. But it just, it, there's, it's stifling having a real life job that you have to depend on because by the time you get home, like if you want to well, do something creative. by the time you get home and you want to do something creative, you want to do it for yourself. Exactly. Not for like, it's incredibly draining to have to essentially work two jobs. You have Mm -hmm. to do the job that pays the bills and then the job that's your creative effort. Right. And then on top of that, if you want to do anything for yourself because you want to just... Because you happen to like it. Because you happen to like it. Doing things that make you happy. Like, then it's like, it's that triangle where you have to pick two. Mm -hmm. And you can't do the third. So Mm -hmm. you either have, like, and the three sides are your job that pays the bills, the job that you are striving to get to that you need to put more media out there for, be it for a portfolio of any sort. And then, like... The stuff you do because you love it and you want to be happy. So you pick two. Yeah, you can't. And have you all can't of have them. all three of them. If you're going to do that, or if you're going to do, two, um, you have to be an extremely motivated person. And as much as we like to think that everyone has the ability to be an extremely motivated person, I think the average person is not that insanely motivated to be like, "Well, up and at them. It's the only way I'm ever going to get here." Like, 
it just seems so unrealistic when you think that yeah. like everyone has that entrepreneurism in their brain where they're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, yeah, the gonna, hustle. Is yeah. Not I don't have, I don't have, I naturally don't have Well, and that. it's paired with like the soul crushing realization that your creative efforts don't mean a lot, but Hey, your boss will be really thankful if you can turn their PDF 90 degrees. Like <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> so true. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were talking about Jen bringing in some new spreadsheets, Jennifer bringing in some new spreadsheets to work. And just by color coding something pretty, you know, everyone thinks you put a lot of effort into something. That's true. You have those drop downs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah seriously, adding a checkbox, they were like, oh, my God. And I'm like, wow. oh, Which, I mean, that's not to say everyone there didn't know how to do that. There were people who did, but just that I just that I did it, they were, you know, some people were impressed and I was like, all right, I'm glad that I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of, one of the things we've talked about a lot is just the importance of needing to stop. Well, then there's also the frustration of I've, I've, I've done jobs where all I was doing was writing. Yeah. And I, I made the actual work itself was not great, but it was fun. I had a certain amount of freedom. I could pursue the topic in a way I wanted to. It all had to be topic but i could write however i wanted to but still doing that for eight hours and then coming home i'm just exhausted anyways even doing what i wanted to do so as much as putting yourself out there there also has to be that situation that is you know that is conducive to you as well and that's hard to find and and i think it was hard to find when we were graduated because you had to put together portfolio or all that tough stuff to do that Mm -hmm. never is quite perfect and then the gig gig economy showed up and now i'm i'm fully lost yeah Mm -hmm. And those those jobs even before that were rare are totally gone. They're yeah. destroyed by blogmut or you know up jobs. Right. Or... Yeah. The idea of the the Don Draper to sit in this giant oh, corner yeah. office yeah. and just think up amazing ideas doesn't doesn't exist. doesn't exist. It's not no, real. Yeah. Let alone have a man who started as nothing get to that job. Oh yeah, Draper would if he was still alive. Oh, not alive. But now he was running the Facebook for the fur place he was working for when Roger found him. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Like, that's how he was discovered. Like, he would have been in the back doing their, like, Instagram, and that would have been the most of his advertising career. Yeah. <laughs> he he probably still would have pointed yeah. Betty because she'd be their influencer. Well, oh, see, that's, yeah. that's the thing about today's today, too. Like, it's not enough to just have, like, a good portfolio. It's not enough to have enough credentials or, like, look at this thesis that I did for school, It's which every professor loved, and you got to present, and it was like, yeah, I'm on top of the world. No one gives a shit about that. You need to have an online presence. You need to have social media that's managed and active and regular. Like, you don't get noticed unless you are flowing with these, like, really popular trends, and I'm just kind of a bit of an old fogey in that sense where Mm -hmm. i'm just not big on being a presence on social media but you talk about having another job so you think about having your job that pays the bills the work you need to do to put in to get the job you would ideally want you have doing stuff for yourself and then you also have the fourth point of this new diamond which is showing it off to everybody in whatever stage it's in your own marketing person yeah so instead of hiring someone to do your marketing, you're also doing your own marketing. But you're a brand now. Right. And that is that is still baffling to me. And especially, it's another job. Yeah. Especially because I dabble in it for work and I dabble in it for very, very lightly for this podcast <laughs> and a little bit for cosplay stuff. It's just, it's amazing how much uh, stock people put into it. Yeah. As if somehow the number of people you reach is truly a... Uh, a qualifier for your influence over those people mm-hmm. or a qualifier for your worth. Well, I'm or not you, even getting you, to oh, that yeah, part. Or even your worth. Like you could have, you could be an amazing cosplayer and have extremely awesome costumes. Yes, but I am. It, <laughs> right? But like, let's say you don't have the luxury of living where we do and attending a super huge con. Mm-hmm. Like, Let's say you don't live in a state where there are lots of cons in general. Let's say you go back to where I grew up, which is this tiny bumfuck town in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And like, you can't get to a big city to go, where are you going to present this stuff? So you start off on social media, but if you're not like going and getting these photographers to photograph you Mm -hmm. and it's all of that. And that's a problem. This is turning into a rant on social media, which I don't mean to do, but that's a struggle when it comes to being a creative person is that if you don't have like connections or presence already, it's really hard to establish presence in a 
extremely oversaturated market. And never mind, well, there's also the fact that a lot of creative people are not very, like, super extroverted either. Yeah. Like me, no, I, uh, I'm lucky if I remember my social media accounts, like, (laughs) like, I always used to say that, like, the perfect thing would be if, if you and I could have, like, a booth at a, like, an artist alley booth where I can do all the talking and we could just put you behind glass. Yeah. So yeah. you could be drawing and no one would have to talk to you. They could see you working. Okay. We can even make it like one-way glass so they can say in. And I could just be glass. out there just to everyone else. I think that's perfect. Yeah. That would work. Okay, guys. Getting her to do that is still a struggle. But once again, even when you have, you know, the good idea and the plan in place, how much work would you have to produce for that to be viable? Yeah. You'd also have to have the money to buy the booth. Yeah. And then you have to have... So you have to have your real job. Well, and all of your... All the work that you have that you're producing for that has to be of a certain brand that you're presenting. So not only is it just anything that you feel like doing, it has to be your presented brand that you have to, like, come bearing to everyone that makes sense. And it's, like, all packaged... Like, it's all there and... And clear to someone that doesn't know you. When it becomes... A motive when money's involved, or whatever that means, I think that's when things get a little bastardized and a little weird and tough to deal with. Because also remember, like the internet has made everything so stressful and weird. But also remember how like liberating it was like ten years ago when you could like get in contact with those people for the first time, when you could put your shit on like Tumblr and it was yeah. just a bunch of us doing it, you know. Um, but then it all becomes something that it wasn't. Um, so it's just kind of curious now what the next sort of I mean, thing is. You know, if you kind of feel like you're just waiting internet three or whatever <laughs> i totally i get what you're saying too because it, it originally started as like a place to find independent artists and connect with them and uh-huh. people that you like and now it's like a place where it's it's the place where like you get monetized now off right. of your social media like even as an artist like before it used to be like there were famous artists that you know work for game companies and other industries that we love and we follow and then it's like oh they have a twitter and i can follow them and keep their updates Mm -hmm. this is so cool then more independent artists are coming out and you're like oh cool i can follow them too but now it's at the point where like it's not even about like the social interaction and the following it's about monetizing your stuff on social media so as independent artists like racking in those views and racking those commissions especially as an independent artist who is doing original art that's hard too to start yeah and getting a to loop it back into like the greater theme then it comes to like storytelling and then so it's even like say these people who have these like huge hit young adult series have to portray it a certain way they have a big social media influence Mm -hmm. they like have a big fandom following their Mm -hmm. like first endeavor out into the world of writing and it's kind of it's strange because back in my day and <laughs> fall into the lot like the pits of the stephen king fan and once i got like balls deep into right. him like <laughs> crazy but yeah right <laughs> but I, it, well you guys taught me something that i had no idea about i learned that uh one of my favorite fan fiction authors is now really raking in the big bucks uh Jen, did you, Jennifer, did you ever read the very secret diaries of Lord of the Rings characters? No, I didn't, but that sounds like something I should read. Oh. <laughs> well, we will make show notes, but the author of the very dorky, very silly, and incredibly irreverent very secret diaries of Lord of the Rings characters is uh, the Mortal Instruments author. Oh, really? Yeah. And especially if you, when you go back and read this fan fiction, there's going to be a serious disconnect in your brain of <laughs> how, 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 how. Because I know, that she, how. I know that she used to write fan fiction and there was a big drama online about it because some of her fan fiction looked like it was stolen from other fan fiction and all this shit. Uh, oh, the fan Isn't that the point of fan fiction? You just can't steal from other fan fiction. You really can't so. even rewrite My Immortal. It is the it's most perfect thing that it's has ever happened. Yeah. Uh, we're doing, we will be doing, spoiler alert, fan fiction February this year. And I don't even think we'll have enough time to cover the beauty, the majesty, and the mystery that is My Immortal. Do I get to do another Episode dramatic reading? Oh, that might have to happen. <laughs> It's like a six-parter. Mortal Instruments is not Mortal Engine. No, Mortal <laughs> Instruments is not Mortal. Mortal Instruments is the Shadow Hunters. And Mortal Engines was 
awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you just really like Hugo Weaving. It's, it's a good movie. Well, Jen, how do you deal with that? Uh, uh, Swags, how do you feel with that? Deal with that disconnect between your job and your hobby? Because I think maybe in the room, maybe other than Jen here, you probably have the biggest disconnect from job and hobby or writing or school or whatever. Yeah, I got a degree in English, but my job is mapping. I work with GIS, so it's very, very different. Honestly, though, I fucking love it. (laughs) I fucking love not doing my hobby for work because that means that I don't get tired out and I don't feel like someone is forcing me to do a certain type of thing. Like in some ways, I kind of wish I did writing or I kind of wish I did graphic design or UX design or any of that because I feel like those are fascinating career paths. I still think it's kind of cool that I get to show up to work and be the person in the office who knows how to use Photoshop and be the person in the office who knows how to copy edit everyone's reports. <laughs> and so I have skills no one else has. So it makes me feel <laughs> like useful in those ways. But then I get to go home and draw whatever the fuck I want and not feel tired. No, and I think I kind of agree with that. Because um, with my job being in the beauty industry and cosmetics, I ended up finding uh, in a lot of ways, I found a hobby that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. I found a passion that I didn't know I had. Because even though I did not go to school for it and I did not learn how to do hair and makeup and skin in that traditional sense. It is the most amazingly fun thing to tinker with. And I, I'm really grateful that that's something that I, you know, I get up and I have to do because if I were left to my own devices, I would not wear makeup. I'll probably not wash my hair. I would definitely <laughs> only brush it when it way and um yeah i mean that's me every day anyways though like i show up to work (laughs) with my hair like disheveled and still wet from my shower if i showered (laughs) (laughs) right well then you don't have the stress of the license the debt from the license your booth fee your you know right no and that's the thing is it 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 has afforded me a way in that i don't have to fully commit in that way yeah in the same way that you know, you would expect of a hobby. Yeah. I do have to fully commit in the way that I, you know, run my store and train my team and, and do the business side of things. But the beauty industry part of it, I would have never done otherwise. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting way to let it go in a different direction. But I think that was, and in Jen, Jennifer's case as well, I think sometimes you just get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think we've all had, I, you know, before I worked in the beauty industry, I worked in home decorating and I absolutely love decorating my, you know, my little apartment and finding little knickknacks and treasures for it. I don't ever want to work in home decor again. Yeah. It was just, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. That creative thing was not in it there, but it's in it in beauty. That makes sense. I mean, I sort of backdoored my way into digital marketing, which I never went to school for at all. And I think that's the reason why I like it a little bit more than I think I see like business kids like it. Mm -hmm. I also like it in a different way. And I also do it differently. And I also don't get jobs for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy it. And I don't, I don't want to get to another way. I didn't want to get to it the way that I have a MFA, not MFA, sorry, but a, um, MBA or anything like that. Right. Because those guys are nerds and their life seems impossible. Meanwhile, you have a writing podcast. Yeah. Nerd. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I mean, marketing too is all about being creative. It's about like how much can you convince somebody that they need something. Right. Yeah. And so like if you only look at things from a statistical standpoint being like, I went to school for business and these stats and these numbers, <sighs> you don't really reach the the largest mm-hmm. population because most people aren't going to look at stats and be like yeah those stats make me want this product they're going to be <laughs> like that looks fucking good and i want it on my body right? like, that's- yeah and that's i think one of the good things about this internet like sort of technological era we're all kind of tired of for other reasons too is we've gone away from the hard sell nobody wants to be hard sold anymore no. but they want to have they, they don't want to be they want to feel like it's their idea but they also know they're being sold to and they need more than just sales so you have to now kind of have a different narrative you have to have influencers or you know a story or blogs and stuff like that it's not just anymore like this is the best thing than that or here's here's a celebrity to sell you something well i mean yeah that's the worst with instagram but it's not like the george foreman just his name on there is not enough right it's not enough and that girl's great and he's a charming spokesman that's the best version of that but amazon cheaper one 
Right. Because like- it does the same thing, <laughs> just doesn't have George's name on it. Well, that was like, so I'm going to Las Vegas this weekend to celebrate my big 30th birthday. Vegas, baby? Vegas, baby. Um, Viva <laughs> Rock Vegas. Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> and when we were trying to pick like a nice place to go out to dinner as a group, it's no longer like, all right, I want for the highest rated, the highest rated restaurant. Or, or is Chris's Steaks' house? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to go to some place that has a cool atmosphere and has interesting food and, you know, you, you'll get a whole experience, not just a good plate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all trying to be sold the whole experience, not the plate. Yeah. And that's as gross as it is fun. Oh yeah. Every <laughs> time there's a new new American gastropub restaurant <laughs> that opens to me is like, do we need another one? And the other one would go there because it looks cool. I, <laughs> I like the Instagram post of the egg, you know. Right? You guys know that one? World record egg. The world record yeah. egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Not good to tell me. No. Oh. He's too lazy to get that many likes on social media. But he gets so many. (laughs) Hello, Katie's brand. Well, he's also got a really cute butt. Jen has also been gone on the record for being anti-Baltz Maru. She's like, bad, bad Baltz piggy tailing off of Hello (laughs) Hello, Kitty. Kitty. All right, so we're going to start something new with our first ever guest. And you guys are going to spend a few moments sweating the small stuff. Oh, I already sweat the small stuff. You know that. I smell the sweat stuff. So we're going to ask you a series of eight questions. And uh, normally if we had one person, we would... No, there's eight. Oh. I just didn't label them correctly. Um, but normally if this were one person, they'd get stuck answering all of them. But you guys can either trade off, take the ones you want, skip the ones you don't want. But someone has to answer the question. Perfect. All right. So question one. What quality do you like most in a protagonist? I like antiheroes. I don't want my... Yeah, I don't <laughs> want... I like antiheroes, okay? I want, like, the sad, challenged character that may or may not win it. I don't know. I don't like pro- in as protagonists. That's just me. Right. I like, I like struggle buses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, my... Well, here's even a good example then. Like, I don't like your typical hero, like, balls out, gonna go save the world type of shit. It's boring. It's boring. But also in that same vein, if we're going through, like, the hero, like, the hero's journey archetype, like, as, like, cheesy as it is, Luke Skywalker is a perfect example. (laughs) Because he's emotional. Yes. He is... There's growth. Not afraid of showing that emotion and compassion makes him a horrible fucking Jedi. But... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in the strict terms of Jedi. Yeah. Let's not get into that fucking shit. But he is compassionate. Like, throughout the whole thing, he doesn't give up. Like, he's a very, like, he forgives Vader to the point where, like, he allows him to, like, be redeemed. Or, like, right. it, it's a hero that isn't so brassy and bold and giving yeah. and Exactly. Yeah. It's allowing it to be a bit softer or I, then again, that's just playing on the whole like archetypes of um, like gender Mm -hmm. in a hero as well. Like I also don't, yeah, that's a whole big mess. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see my heroes grow. I want to see them be challenged with things and, and have to recognize like their own morality. I like to see them be realistic and and struggle. I don't like to see again, that brassy hero that just no matter what he does, everyone love him. And I use him in a generic term, right? I don't like any hero that is just perfect. I don't like flawless heroes, which is why I like anti-heroes so much. And a lot of times my favorite characters are the villains because oftentimes they genuinely truly believe they're doing the right thing so for me it's personally hard to get attached to heroes because they're not my favorite types of characters i like i like challenge and growth and and all that stuff that was a much longer answer than yeah we probably (laughs) we always dig the monsters yeah we really do we're monster sympathizers well you think (laughs) monsters are just cute cuddly friends because they are yeah (laughs) save save the monsters yes (laughs) so what word do you always misspell I'll tackle this. So I am incredibly dyslexic, so my words get jumbled all the damn time. And I guess one of my biggest ones I did not know about until it was pointed out to me, um, but I get me and my, like the way I type, it's just that E and Y just get interchanged a lot. Mm -hmm. But again, that's also a dyslexic thing, so. It's also like a Popeye thing, right? You type in pirate on accident? Pen Mimi book. 
And my me book. Is it the me or I don't know. So is the it? my, what happens is you, you tend to write the opposite for the one that you mean. So if, <laughs> if she's trying to write the word me, it often just gets typed as my, but it, it reads as me. me when you're reading through it. Right. It reads as me. It's just like the E was replaced with the Y and then where it should have, it, it's more so that one than the other way around, which has been a couple of times. So I reverse pirate it. Yeah. Yeah. You just make <laughs> it my instead of me. So you should type. You should just spell both me and my with a single I, M I. Yeah, and then we can read it either way. Yeah. And then Nintendo will get on my ass. No, that's right. My bad. <laughs> we have a question, though. With that dyslexia in your background in graphic design, do you have a defense of Comic Sans then? Because doesn't Comic Sans help it so you can read it if you're dyslexic, right? I, I probably I, heard that somewhere. Comic Sans was designed so that people who have dyslexia have like a very easy time reading That's it. That's what I thought. But it's also a from a graphic design <laughs> I mean, it's I no would. Yes, exactly. I'd let Chris fall off the cliff and hold up like Comic Sans, but. Yeah, if you had to save one, it would be Comic Sans. Yeah. <laughs> At least there was something good coming out of that. Yeah. I have so many like fifth and sixth grade reports where the title is in Papyrus. Oh. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you didn't flub like Avatar, so. <laughs> Changed it finally. Well, they finally they afforded their own font. Right. <laughs> Pirates too. They'd be the most popular movie ever. <laughs> We're gonna go to that one last because uh-huh. it's gonna be a point of contention. But what piece of writing do you wish you had been responsible for creating? Yes, Jenny. I mean, my go-to answer is my Goblin Thought, which is <laughs> in my head. And does it have to be the writing as it stands right now, or I wish I wrote something in the however you want to phrase this. <laughs> Oh man, the Bible then. Yeah. Let's go for that. That's the goblin. Is. No, let me get my head for that shit and fuck it right up. <laughs> so what medium other than your own do you wish you could work in? Do you not have one? Glass blowing. <laughs> That's a good one. I, know, I find it very interesting only because molten glass is terrifying, but also very like can turn into something very delicate. I'm sure there's some deeper meaning to extract from that, but it also just looks fucking cool. Who's that one guy that's really popular with that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. I'm man. not. I'm oh. not a very learned. I love the class. <laughs> I wish I could dance, like really dance, not just like Napoleon you know the Disney dance. one, two, three, mm-hmm. but like actual. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, no, 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 like that. Like actually dance, like that beautiful, like lyrical shit that people do. Like mm-hmm. I really wish that I had done that, but my mom tried to take me to gymnastics once when I was like <laughs> two, and they put me on the trampoline, and I screamed and cried for an hour, and she took me home. Oh, no. <laughs> so we realized that group events were not really my thing. Um, so I never got the chance to do dance. Oh, <laughs> it's it's fine dancing now, so it's probably for the best. <laughs> So, like, Satra and Debovar, who would you like to be buried on top of? You know what my goblin thought is. <laughs> what is your goblin thought? Rasputin. And why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my first initial thing was because I could absorb his necromantic powers, but then I realized that I would also be dead. But then I realized again, going back on it, that death did not stop him once. So <laughs> there's hope for me. Do you remember how I named my rabbit Rasputin? No. I told you that story. I was a little kid and we got a rabbit because I lived in the middle of nowhere. And my, he was like a lop eared rabbit. And my mom, oh, what are you going to name him? Rasputin. <laughs> and I was probably like 11. <laughs> Solid. Edgelord. Yeah, so I named him Rasputin and my mom Raspy because she couldn't like handle it. It's <laughs> pretty great. It's cute stuff. It's so, so cute. It's not like when I na- tried to name my like little stuffed animal piggy kosher to piss my mom off. That's <laughs> cute. Yeah, no, I genuinely was like Rasputin, like no questions <laughs> asked. Anastasia was a popular movie at the time, so I'm not surprised. But uh, what is the best lesson you've learned from a work of fiction? Don't I think trust mm-hmm. people who pull swords out of the water from dead ladies in the water. Is that a good one? That's a- <laughs> yeah. Um, be the lady holding the sword in the water. Pay your toll, troll, troll, <laughs> troll, troll. <laughs> Pay it. <laughs> yeah. Just pay it. Just always pay it. All right. What book do you always recommend when someone asks you for a recommendation? Somewhere really. <laughs> the Collector from <laughs> Fowls. And then, what book should you have read, but you haven't read? Oh, man. So we discussed this. Already. There was a claim made at dinner <laughs> that Jen has read every book that she should have read. I didn't say that. I said I cannot, <laughs> I said I cannot think of a book. That 
is on one of those you should have read this book lists that I have not read. So Jennifer, I just couldn't think of one. Can you think of any books that a person should have read? So have you read? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have you read The Art of War? I was a history student. That's your recommendation. History and English, so damn it. No, not her recommendation. No, it's just a book that you're you should have read in your lifetime. I think that's how Swag lives her life, right? By the teachings of (laughs) (laughs) To Kill a Mockingbird. I've read it. It's on every list. (laughs) But what about To Kill a Mockingbird? (laughs) But about A Hundred Years of Solitude? Yes, I have. Um, Have you read The Handmaid's Tale? A Hundred Years of Solitude. Wait, are we going through this list? We're supposed to go through. Oh yeah, you can go through. Sorry. Uh, well, I should skip the ones that I obviously know, like The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Let's. But that's the point of this question is someone hasn't. Have you read Between the World and Me? That's. I mean, I have not, one. but I didn't even know that book existed. I... It is a new That'll one. Be on, so that'll that'll certainly be on the list. Unless there It'll are get lists. there. Yeah. 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 Brave New World. Oh, yes. going forward, yes, it will. Hidden Figures? I have Hidden actually figures? not read Hidden Figures. Is that I've... a book worth reading? All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ones that makes those lists all the Does time. It? I mean, I don't know if maybe it didn't before it had a movie. Version. I don't know. Yeah, no, like the Bible. The help oh, oh, I'm like Frankenstein is not a hidden face. Like yeah. what? Like summer reading lists for books that you have read. Have you read? Okay, okay, I got one. Have you read Atlas Shrugged? No. Oh yeah! <laughs> Only time on this podcast that anyone will ever <laughs> cheer. <laughs> the only list I ever like feel bad about, and I, I feel less bad about it now, is there's always that one every now and again that's like, which books have you read compared to Rory Gilmore? And they have like all the books she read through the TV show. And then I was so bad that I haven't read any that she's read. But she's also care. a fictional character. Yeah, and they're they're always <laughs> she they're also, also thinks that. Uh, they write her very stupid. That, write, uh, yeah, I was gonna say she also made some really dumb decisions. The way they write her though is like a bookworm. Is like she's like I love I love to read Homer. Like it's just nonsense that like a person really never has. Like been. no one loves to read Homer. Yeah, yeah. Like no one loves Moby Dick. Yeah, I was like sure. I've never read Moby Dick. Assumed that's yeah. how you are. It's awful. You've also never read the Bible. True. I had to. Yeah, multiple I, times. I had a religious history class that I read it for. It's fascinating. I highly recommend it. It is interesting. You should read it at least once as a book, if that's not your thing. You can just watch Mother. That's oh, true. Sweet. But Sorry. Same Mother! <laughs> that's got an exclamation point. That's there, true. But... Mother! <laughs> With a, like, italicized I like exclamation that movie. point. I... But I didn't understand it was about the Bible until the end of it. Meanwhile, I'm sitting next oh, to Oh, it was not a hidden... Did not, mm. not sit well with me. Hmm. So unless Jennifer has any questions for Jen and Jenny. Talk shop, you know, Jen talk. Jen talk. We can leave the room. This is a Jen's only club. So Jen, I have a question for you. Sure. Why do you spell Jen wrong? Ouch. <laughs> Rough. You know, it's interesting. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just, do you it have just it with always one N? No, it has two N's in the full name. Um, but she uses the one. She I just used the one. The I, one. I don't know if it was. Because I was in my phone, it says two N's. Yes. Oh, I always spell it with two N's. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing this. So. I don't know why, like, as a kid, if I just thought it was, like, cooler to have one N. I don't know. I grew up with my mom calling me Fur, so, like, F-E-R. That's cute! Yeah, so, like, even now, she still, like, calls me that. Like, she never called me Jen or anything, and, like, even my stepdad used to call me Fur, like, Fuzz, or whatever, like, Aww. different variations of Fur. Like, when the Furby came out, that oh, was, yeah. like... They were like, it's you! Oh man, it was your time to shine! <laughs> I, I was like, cool, free alien, but it's fine. Like, I mean, um, still comparable. Jenny, are you Honestly, a Jennifer, or are you just... I'm a Jennifer. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I've, when... I've met just Jennies. Like, that's, that's, when, a, that's, that's when, when she's in trouble, thing, but... or like, yeah. when I'm being sassy. Yeah, like, yeah. the full name is weird. Like, I, it feels weird when people call me by my full name. I also like, know... Oh, see, I love, I love being called Jennifer, but I can't explain. I actually kind of don't like Jen, but it's too late. It's already... Yeah, it's already done. Every... Yeah. Calls me. <laughs> like, once you're stuck with it, you're stuck with it. But yeah, I don't know why it only happened. Maybe I was just being an edgelord. There are worse reasons to do that. At least it's not. You're not. I'm not sure that is that edgelord. No, I was just being super No, I didn't feel because it already had that consonant sound at the end. It didn't mm-hmm. need a second silent n. It was what otherwise I'd be gen. Inefficient. <laughs> Y'all, there's no other like the way people spell my name only gets worse from l e a h. So 
Oh, yeah, I'm sure. The difference oh, yeah. between N and double N is... The impressive thing with your name is how long some people will make it. Like yeah. Like L-E-I-G-H-A-H, you know, like... Yeah. It could be six letters long and it could be Leah still. I literally called her Leah in my head for probably, like, a year without knowing I was wrong. So. You're, <laughs> you know what? You're only half wrong. Because my Hebrew <laughs> name is technically Leah. There you go. And oh, I have one of those. Go. Oh, well, so I'm actually just a progressive person here. Mm-hmm. If we were religious buddies, you'd be fine. <laughs> in well, in, in high Hebrews. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, and I had I had people growing up that I knew from from temple and from from synagogue, and when they would see me at school, they'd call me Leah, and I'm like, like the Schwartz twins. Oh, yep, yep. I'm Josh sure it didn't Davian. help that you were so into Star Wars. Like openly, yeah. Until um, your friend's dog is named Leia, because they're also into Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that happened. That was not fun. It's a good dog name. <laughs> it was a good dog name. I got to be Princess Leia once in my life. Mm-hmm. There's a sash for it and everything. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think that ends it for another episode of the Rights Web. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Make yeah, sure to follow no us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And anywhere else you get your podcasts, we can also be found on Instagram, Facebook, and we have our uh, recap blog on WordPress. So until next time, see y'all later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, Jens. Bye. Bye. Bye.